welcome to the 905 Roundup. My name is Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And we've got a doozy of uh, of an episode for you. We're, we're splitting our, our episode between provincial election news, scandal, not so scandal, boring Excel spreadsheet analysis, <laughs> and uh, Hamilton uh, Hamilton scandal, which is always fun to talk about. Uh, first up, uh, if you go if you go to our website 905.ca, highly suggest bookmark it. It should be the first thing you read every morning. Um, Roland has a great article analyzing the the scandal that is actually not a scandal that the NDP tried to get into the news cycle today. Uh, that a number basically in uh, Nepean Carlton, Lisa McLeod, the Tory candidate and former minister of uh, tourism, uh, has been I don't know caught, outed, revealed uh, that she accepted a allowance from her riding association on top of. Not only her salary, her six-figure salary as an MPP, but the top of salary of her as a minister as well. The um, running association felt that she was hard done by and need a little bit extra money, and they gave her some, uh, uh, you know, a couple thousand, a couple thousand dollars uh, on top of that. Um, sounds sketchy, but Roland, is it sketchy? Yes or no? No. But yes, a little bit. I mean, yeah. My own thoughts are evolving on this. I mean, I. I Posted an article, my, my kind of initial thoughts, and the somewhat evolving during the day today, uh, I, um, which is probably not, it's not how these things are meant to work. I'm meant to have an idea and, and not change my mind, but I change my mind all the time. Uh, there's nothing illegal. It's fine. It's their money. Uh, and, you know, part of me thinks and will stand, and this is basically what the article is kind of saying, and I'll kind of stand by it. It's like, yeah, it's it's. I don't quite understand why she needs the money, um, but actually, what the hell business is it of ours if they want to waste? You know, like the alternative to to giving the money to her is to is to wallpaper the the riding with leaflets, uh, yeah, with, with basically kind of attack ads. Um, do you really care that 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 it's used this way? Um, what's subsequently come to light is that, that that this is a bit more widespread than was initially thought. It's not just Lisa McLeod that you, you were saying that, that there's, you know, we're now looking at maybe six MPPs. Eight. Eight Tory eight uh, MPPs. Only only the Tories do this. Do you know why the, only the Tories do it? Because only the Tories have the money to do it. Uh, oh, yeah. I, what, what I've realized is um, I've been using the Elections Ontario kind of finances website for years. It, it makes quite interesting reading when you're meant to be doing something else, you know, <laughs> to look up who's spending what. Um, you know, if you donate over $100 uh, to a political party, your name's in that database. My name's in that database if you want to go and look me up. But uh, it's improved in recent years, and, it, you know, you can go and look at their mapping tool, and it maps which ridings get the most money uh, and which parties in those ridings get the most money. And, you know, the difference between the average... NTP or Liberal or Green Riding Association, and an awful you know, many Conservative Riding uh, PC sorry uh, Riding Associations not that well off. Some of them are literally swimming in money. Uh, Ajax, boy Ajax, I don't know what you're doing, but you've got more money than 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 sense. And those guys, I mean, so you know, at a, at the end of when I was involved, at the end of. Um, you know, the four-year electoral cycle, if you could sort of go into the election with, say, $30,000, something like that, kind of in the bank, 
and, and then sort of count on fundraising or whatever for during the election cycle itself of the same or more. Um, that was okay. That was a, a reason, you know, you certainly would have preferred to have more, but it was a good starting point. You, you felt that was respectable. Many, you know, Lisa McLeod's writing association, so uh, the other writing associations, Mississauga East Street, is it Streetsville or Cooksville? Uh, um, Mississauga East Cooksville. Cooksville. Um, you know, the, these writing associations are, are raising and spending um, over a hundred thousand dollars a year in in you know uh, fund, think, fundraising and then, then sort of using it for for advertising and yeah. Well, uh, I, I, so they I, can I, kind I, of afford it, but but yeah, it's it it's. I like, think it's, it's why important. does the MPP need it? Is is kind of the question? Well, I, I look at this. Ask. Something to keep in 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 the back of your head as you're listening to as the story unfolds, people, is that for the Tories, like these. Writing associations, or writing associations are really run like a basically a medium sized business. Like they 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 are comp they are really complex machines uh, geared towards promoting the candidate uh, in question. Um, now, like Masai East Cooksville, I'm looking at their their annual statement now. They they were clearly working on promoting their MPP, uh, Khalid Rashid, like they they have almost $44,385.95 in advertising. I find that's shocking mostly because what, what, what is that advertising? Because I know for a fact, he is a sitting MPP. He has a budget in, in that office and there, there you can advertise. The, the idea is like uh, by advertising, you're promoting, you're letting the, your constituent know what it is you're doing, and that you're there to help serve them. It is a you can spend that uh, through your tax dollars. Every 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 elected official, regardless of party, is able to do that. That's not a scandal. I, I'm amazed that they said, "Oh, we need to to spend that uh, that kind of money outside of a campaign period." That's that's bizarre. The and, and it's a different keep, world to us for what we 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 were used to. I mean, it's, well, that's it's the completely thing. Like, you're you're, told, you're yeah. told you raise if especially if you're a sitting MPP, you raise that money and you hold on to that like it's your child. Like you do not let it go until the campaign uh, drops, and then it's okay. You can't spend it fast enough. Um, but like he's he's one of these MPPs who got a um, a twelve thousand dollar MPP allowance in twenty twenty, and he's uh, numerous other years totaling up towards. $23,000 in total. And he's an associate minister of digital government. So he's he's getting another pay increase on top of the 100,000. Now, now this is there's one thing to say, okay, yes, technically it's it's legal and there's nothing wrong, but at the same time you have to wonder like what's going on here? What what's the there's something about this that doesn't smell right and just doesn't it it doesn't I don't I'm not willing to just say, okay, yeah, nothing to see here, move on. Um now I I brought this up uh, before we record it, and I say this is the reason why um, a I think it I think it's worth investigating, and two why the NDP are proving once again they had a good story and they fumbled it because they thought it was like oh look corruption well no you can't prove it but the the question here is you need to tighten up the laws you need to come in and say we're going to tighten up the electoral financing laws so this doesn't happen because you don't know where that twelve thousand dollars is coming from ultimately. Like if you go in, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I want to preface this. I'm not saying that this is what happened, but this is what could happen. This is a possibility. If you have somebody, if you have a candidate or an MPP who is not so uh, level-headed, and a number of donors who are not so scrupulous, they can donate money to the writing association, maximum amount, 
So in a, this hy very hypothetical and unproven situation, uh, if I was a consortium of like-minded business people and I want to, in my writing association, I want to buy my, my MPP, I want them to be in my pocket. What I would do is I get them all, I get me and my friends say, let's all get together, take out our, take out our checkbooks for a thousand dollars. There's 10 of us. That's 10,000 bucks right there. Okay. You donate to the writing association and you tell the writing association, you give that to the MPP as an allowance. There's not, there's nothing to say that you, you go on the record as saying, Hey, I've, I'm, I've donated to this writing association for a thousand dollars. I think the limit's now 1500. I donated to the writing association. And there's nothing to say for the, the treasurer and the writing association or the writing president to sign the check over to the candidate or to the NPP for conveniently enough, $10,000. There's nothing to, to prove that that's what happened there. There's literally no, there's no transaction that there's no letter or note that says that. Um, it's just an unwritten, there's kind of an, a wink and a nod. And the thing is like, you look at some of these, these financial statements, you're talking, there's many, many people on there, like donating thousand fifteen hundred dollar um, donation limits, it it's it gets to be very murky, and it gets to be very nebulous, um, which is what like campaign finance is supposed to be. It's supposed to take out the the risk of bribery and the risk of uh, corruption by supposedly well, yeah, making it all transparent. I mean well, and, and I can go on at length about that because the changes that have happened in campaign finance in recent years, I don't think have, have made it. I mean, I mentioned in the article, uh, Martin Bridge Cohen, who I have a lot, a lot of uh, time for, was a great journalist at the Toronto Star. And he kind of ran, he didn't run a one person campaign, but he did a one person kind of awareness <laughs> campaign about um, corporate donations when they were still allowed. And it was very much um, his work that, that kind of rapidly um, brought about um, the, the ban on corporate donations. And it's like, oh, fantastic. What a, what a, what a great job there. We've, we've cleaned up the finance. So, you know, it's like, Martin Reg, you know, what happened when corporate donations stopped is not that corporate donations stopped. What stopped is corporate donations being recorded in in the bloody political accounts. Um, you know, if you go through, you will find the names of every prominent developer in Ontario donating at least to the Conservatives, possibly donating to the Conservatives and the Liberals. Um, uh, you, you will, you know, I could list them now. I mean, I, I won't, but uh, and. and there are, you know, and it's like, okay, well, there are limits on how much a developer can can donate because you know, under your individual limits, like a sixteen hundred dollars to a writing association, it's like uh, I can't. You can donate to a writing association plus the central party, um, and there are limits on both. But then, if the party and the writing association can transfer between themselves, which they can and they do, you're kind of getting around that that limit on what you can donate now if you remember the in and out scandal of about a decade ago uh that was uh, a situation during an election where the federal um conservatives were found to have got around electoral law by kind of taking donations from one place and putting them in another place and you know that was a way to say okay well we haven't gone over our limit because it was donated here but then we're going to kind of send this money out to somewhere else uh, but that's kind of what's happening all the time. And I found much more interesting in, in those accounts for those for those writing associations was 
And you're giving 11000 to to Lisa McLeod or whoever. Fine, if you want to spend your money that way. You know, seems, you know, whatever. But here's $50,000 spent in the, the uh, Mississauga riding on, on buying 40 plates at a leader's fundraiser in 2019. Like... <laughs> If 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 we'd suggested buying one plate at a leaders fundraiser at my riding association, we'd have got told to go take a funny run because the the, the executive quite rightly was very protective of yeah. the donations. It's like you don't were, you dare. Do you that. were you were encouraged to to buy a plate yourself and get the tax uh, tax rate. But yeah. you're right, like that that you know. I imagine what happened. You know, happened there. Maybe some people were don't were maxed out their donation to the lead, to the party. And they couldn't buy it. Okay, we'll buy it through the writing association. Donate to the writing association. The writing association buys the uh, buys the table or, or whatever. Which is, and I think that's much more sketchy in a lot of ways. It, I mean, it, I think it, it, it's it, definitely it's getting around the 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 law. I mean, and yeah, you know, the in and out scandal was about people getting in serious criminal trouble for for trying to get around the law. Um, again, the thing is that it is a gray area because you know. The, all the parties, and I suspect this is why the NTP didn't even mention that, you know, oh, yeah. if you mention like, oh, you're buying $1,200 plates at a fundraiser, that immediately, to most people, sounds like, oh my God, these guys are assholes. You know, it's just got that sound of yuck, um, like people just having fun at parties and spending inordinate amounts of money on, on a dinner. But the NTP didn't mention that. The reason is that they do the same damn yep. thing. Um, you know, in terms of transfers between writing associations and part of, parties. The part, the, problem, uh, the part of the problem is, though, just to run run these campaigns are so costly now. There's, like, there's, no, there's no move to change the laws to, uh, you know, what, you know to, to, to limit the expenses that campaigns have to have. Like you, you think about it, every campaign has to run a bus and in this province, uh, planes, so you can fly to the far corners of the province so you can look like you care. Um, you also have to have buses driving you around uh, and you have to pack up, you know, rent halls. It, 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 campaigns are very costly endeavors. There's been no effort to say, um, you know, every, you know, let's limit the, the campaign. It's, 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 I find, I find it's a tricky thing uh, because I, I it, they're so costly, and people are, they need to find ways to make money. At the same time, I just say they like there's no effort to, to that transparency. Like like it, it is hypocritical of the NDP to bring this up. It's like shame on Lisa McLeod. Well, no, because I'm pretty sure you you're doing something probably just as sketchy on your ends, and then the liberals are probably guilty of it just as well. Same as the Green Party in some way. Like, and I'll say this for the elections in Ontario, they're pretty hot on the on the accounts side of things. You know, it, it's. The process of getting your accounts audited and and, and uh, sent over to Elections Ontario every year, that ain't nothing. Um, you know, if, if you want to be corrupt, I wouldn't go into politics. <laughs> Certainly no. not in writing association accounts. It, it, it is hard. It is incredibly hard to be uh, be sketchy that way. It's it, it. People think, oh yeah, they're all corrupt. Like it's you kind of you really have to put effort into it. You really do. But I mean, I do think I do think there are, are a number of additional interesting points to be taken from this um yeah i don't really think it's great to be giving your mpp uh payments on top of particularly when they're already a minister ministers are well paid you know they may not think so but it, it's a good salary and they get a lot of perks and they get a car and they get a you know um it looks like crap and that's basically why the ndp have gone after it 
the the worst side of it in some ways, or, or the more educational side of it. It's like compare the NDP is is the is the main challenger in, in Lisa McLeod's riding in the PN in, in Ottawa. Uh, that they're, they're ahead of well, they were ahead of the Liberals at the last election anyway. I mean, the NDP, they were in many ridings. I mean, that's not um, the the both the NDP and the Liberal riding associations in her riding uh, have very little money. Uh, the NDP Riding Association one year received total donations from the entire um, riding of $10 for the year. Uh, plus, they got a transfer from the central party of $9. Um, and uh, it's like, boy, that's a riding association. <laughs> I've seen some riding associations that are hard, hard up on their luck, but, but that took the biscuit. You know, and meanwhile, you've got this other riding association that basically doesn't know what to do with all this money. is finding ways to get rid of it I, by I would, giving it to the damn MPP. I, no, I mean, I, I the, the question everyone was like, what, what's it for? I, my bet is that knowing that, I, I just suspect that they're just like, no, they're just, we're just going to give this money to the MPP. We think they're good and they deserve it. And, you know, because if you think about it, it's like a free market ethos, right? Oh, you know, you do a good job, you get money for it, whatever. Exactly. And, exactly. That's the mentality. And, 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 and to be fair to McLeod, she, McLeod, I would say, has a, I think, a reasonable reputation. I mean, it doesn't, you love her, loathe her, whatever. It doesn't matter. The reputation is, and, and I've kind of seen it with my own eyes, she's a hardworking, MPP. She's somewhat of a star within the. Well, of course, she's a McLeod. <laughs> it's not. It's, and, not, it's um, not my fault that her. Uh, and, and she's certainly a, a big fundraiser, as all the ministers are, and they are expected to do a lot of extra work. You know, ministers kind of come. The job of a minister comes with a price tag of right now go and raise an extra however much money for the, yeah, well. the party. But yeah, it doesn't happen in the other parties and. I mean, I think I think the the you know we we keep on talking about how like sixty percent of the population is Ontario in Ontario in, in Canada. In fact, in much of the Western world, are basically progressives, and then you have the conservative parties. But what we maybe need to get our heads around more is that the the various progressive parties, apart from splitting the vote amongst themselves, also split the money and aren't getting that much money full stop anyway you know the, just the money involved at every level of of uh, uh of provincial politics on the pro progressive side is just almost non-existent these days mm -hmm. compared with with how you know what it was in the, in the corporate donation days whereas the, the pcs are still raking in the corporate donations in every possible way you can imagine um and many, Wait, you, know, you know, what? a good thirty percent of the writing associations are just swimming in cash. You know what? That's a. I think that's a conversation for another uh, another episode. So let's take a break, and we'll be back with uh, uh, Hamilton. All right, and we're back. So while we were focusing on the on the provincial election, we we haven't kept kept our eyes off or haven't taken our eyes off uh, uh, more local matters. And of course, if you're in the nine to five, you you are no doubt aware of the Red Hill Parkway and. All the all the joys that that uh, little bit of asphalt brings us, um, but Roland, what, what's the latest uh, revelation of of the inquiry into that mis mishap of Hamilton City Council? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, an inquiry is not really is not specifically into the council; it's into the city, I guess, uh, and, and what happened with the city. Um, 
to the extent that they, that, uh, that, that you know they there were problems with the surfacing of the Red Hill Valley Parkway. It was known that there were problems with it and that this was causing accidents, and this was not reported, mentioned, passed on to the uh, passed on to the council appropriately or publicly or whatever. And, and the latest re- revelation is that you know even before the uh, highway was was complete, there were already being questions asked and concerns being raised um, uh, about the surfacing of the highway. Uh, so, I mean, it really is, you know, we were saying the other week how this kind of typifies what happens when you have a kind of culture of secrecy, um, a lack of accountability at city halls, which which, which you know, we've, we've said is a, is a problem, you know, when people defend that secrecy and say, well, hey, this is what the Municipal Act says and we're allowed to do it. Right. Uh, it's like, well, this is this is where you end up. Um, four four people dead, I think, um, as a result of this um, surfacing um, error, um, and at the same time, we're seeing, um, <laughs> uh, same time we're we're seeing it in Hamilton at the moment, kind of a, a uh, calamity on, on the roads. Um, and I think to an extent this has been going on for years and years, and it, uh, you know maybe it's just coincidence that it's a particular spike at the moment. Um, but I think that maybe Hamiltonians have reached a point where they're, they're, some at least are really sort of appreciating the scale of the horror, which is which happens on on those damn downtown one way system. I mean that that's um, yeah the the downtown system is a mess. As somebody who doesn't live in Hamilton and, and views it kind of from the outside in, it's a mess. It doesn't. I, I, I hate driving in Hamilton. That being said. Um, the, the the scandal of the Red Hill Parkway, I think, is exactly as you said, right? It's it's that the secret nature, and I, I think it's the, just the fact that this report sat on somebody's desk, or was just it was there. People were aware of this, of the problems of this, and that it cost people's lives because complacency, because of um, secrecy. Like, I think part of it is, I think we've seen at least in Hamilton City Council uh, and City Hall, is kind of how dare you step into our into our domain how dare you question us uh we know better uh don't you know don't dare and i think it stems from uh city council like i'm not saying the city council you know explicitly authorized uh you know a cover-up right i'm not saying that what i am saying is that the attitude that we've seen from city council on like just you know don't how dare you question us how dare you come into our our our, our neck and you ask us questions, you know, how, who, who do you think you are? That resonates and that permeates down into the bureaucracy. The, if you, if you can see, well, geez, the people who can fire me really don't want to be questioned themselves. Then I myself am not going to be questioning or asking questions or I don't deserve to answer questions. And that, that, that attitude just pass on. And yeah, I mean, if people have died over this and that's just, and it's so preventable, that's the frustrating part is that we, we know if just somebody said, look at the report and say, oh, geez, okay, well, we'll have to, you know, do it, retire it or re, re-asphalt it or, or, or re, you know, any number of things that could have been done to prevent it weren't. And now we're still having to redo it at the expense of the city. And, you know, there, there are people without loved ones in their, in their family because what, a, a culture of how dare you, how dare you question me and my, and my authority. It's, it's childish. Yeah, it's very dangerous, and I, and I see it. I see it so commonly in, or in government to an extent. Um, 
uh, you know, there's that tendency to say, well, we know best, uh, we know best, we know, for-. and, and there's an institutional tendency to defend your patch, uh, your, your fiefdom, your, you know, your department, um, against outsiders, uh, that, that develops as well. Uh, and it's why I get so annoyed when, you know, someone challenges, um, a city on openness, uh, as we've been mm-hmm. discussing a lot in recent weeks, and and there's this kind of reflexive and almost you know almost violent kind of response of how dare you question us, you know, uh, uh, and it's like well because that's it's, people's job. It's, it's a democracy's job to question. It's a journalist's job to question, um, and and you know if you don't question things get hidden and you know this is somebody made a a good point it's like well the the only reason we have an inquiry on the red hill valley and we don't have you know 10 inquiries a year on on main street is because everybody knows the tarmac uh the you know the surface on main street is is like a you know road to perdition it's it's just uh you know a cracked mess Mm -hmm. um but that's okay because it's only pedestrians that we're killing (laughs) Uh, the, the fact was that the surface of the Red Hill Valley wasn't approved by the province. A cracked mess on Main Street is completely approved by everybody. Um, you know, it, it. I mean, it's a strange world, isn't it? Um, I mean, absolutely, the inquiry is right and proper, and uh, you know, we, we, you know, even before the the the, the conclusions are in as to, as to what happened, it seems fairly clear that. Uh, Something was very, very wrong here. Uh, something went very, very far off the rails. Um, but, I, but on the other hand, we have a completely tolerable kind of weekly uh, catalogue of death happening in another part of Hamilton uh, where, you know, Councillor Sam Marulla, you know, good old Sam, basically doing everything he can to blame the province, to blame drivers, to blame car manufacturers, rather than, you know, considering for an instance that maybe the way this road is designed, having a, a huge f- channel through your city that's designed for speed, doesn't mix well with people trying to cross it and, and go about their business. I mean, it, it, it's... Well, uh, what it, what's, I, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder what this will have to... Uh, uh, this is going to come back and, in, in, I think, change the tone of the municipal election in Hamilton. Because you have this, and you also have the uh, the Coots Paradise uh, cover up there as well. That the question is, you know, at some point people just have, you know, people will want answers. Um, I, I I can't the 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 idea of all just you know sit down, don't bother us, let's go about. You know, it's it that I don't think I don't think that's going to work this time. I hope it won't. I hope that there's an attitude of enough's enough. We're going to make a. We're going to hold people to account, and whether or not you're to blame or not, the fact is, if you're an elected official, you you can either be on the side of well, we're going to have to get to the bottom of this, or you can play the you know the obtuse obstructionist card of oh, uh, you know, it's somebody else's fault, it's not my fault. Let's you know, it, it's bad drivers, and and then why not? And it's like yeah, but whether or not you you're you're the one with the uh, you're the one that's seat of power at that point. You have to do something. You can't pass it off, and that's what I think people are getting frustrated is that. You, this council has to just say we're going to fix it, and they're not. Yeah, yeah. I I got a, a, accused of uh, being you know a sort of downtown elitist the other day for for tweeting about the number of people being killed on on Main Street and on King. Um, and, you know, and 
the 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 point was well you know working people don't have you know don't get to work from home and uh, uh, they you know they have to drive and blah 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 and it's like all oh, right <laughs> you know this this great sort of uh, suggestion that it's all these sort of elitist downtown um, uh, people who are insisting on walking across streets when the good working people need to drive about in their SUVs and be able to mow people that down. That was the single stupidest yeah. thing I've ever heard. Like, whoever whoever tweeted that to you is an idiot. Um, it gave me a good laugh. I well, mean, it's like that, that's it's the like, good God. That's the thing, though. Like it, it's you shouldn't be going. The idea is to create cities where you don't feel scared to go anywhere. Now you could be you could be saying that oh, Julie, that's a pipe dream. And that's that's like no, that should be the goal. As little crime as possible, safe streets, good parks, good public spaces. That should be the goal. It, it, it is it doable? I don't know. But it doesn't say, it, I don't think there's any harm in trying to do it. And, uh, and it boils right down to it. You know, everything to do with safe streets is about money. Like everything else in government and in politics, it's very cheap to design. I mean, certainly it looks cheap uh, because if you look at those roads in downtown Hamilton, they're, like they're falling apart. Yeah. Uh, there's no money being spent on them. Um, if, if you look at... Um, uh, uh, streets in many cities and other places around the world, uh, particularly in Europe, you'll see that they've spent a lot of money on narrowing roads and changing the layout, changing the, the way the traffic moves so that pedestrians and traffic are always kept at a safe distance. I mean, something that occurred to me um, was that, you know, when I growing up, you know, and I, and I hate whenever I say, in, it used to be like this when I was growing up in Britain, but sometimes I just have to. That everywhere, anywhere, particularly anywhere where where young people and children and schools are concerned, but, but every busy crossing or anywhere close to a crossing or a junction will have fences around it, um, so that you know should the unthinkable happen and a car just goes up on a sidewalk, it hits a fence and not a child or, or an adult. And it's like it. it hadn't occurred to me but like oh that doesn't exist here at all there's no like, there's nowhere do you ever see the fences that are just everywhere in britain and in fact in europe that keep people and cars separate now they're not very pretty but they've been around since the 60s or maybe even the 50s and you just don't even see them um you know it, it it's just part of the street furniture but of course of course it costs money you know also the rest of the world you know apart from the us and canada the rest of the world doesn't do turn right on red either. Uh, you know, the idea that you can have a red light and you can drive through it is like insanity to most of the world. So our standards of traffic safety and road design uh, in Canada are, are really poor on, on a global scale. And it's like, again, it costs money. Uh, I get that. But the rest of the world is paying it and, and they're getting away with it and fewer people are dying. Uh, so yeah, I think we have to sort of uh, well, it's get to grips with this. You know, it should be. And there's, there's not. I like it. Hamilton has a has a chance to really fix its traffic problem. Like the the yeah, it it's a mess. If it wants to be the kind of city that it can be, and I think it's going to be. It needs to like it well, needs you, to realize like, that actually designing for people, for pedestrians, for walkers, for people on the street at street level is is 
the best financial yeah. decision it can ever make. It's, it's not you something want I got, downtown Hamilton to. Have well, I just want to on, say. On foot, I just want know. to say, like, it's, it's something that the, the entire nine hundred five should emulate. Like, it's something we've talked about many, many times. Is that this region of the country, dare I say it, of the world, is at a turning point? There, we could either just be the idea. The idea of oh this is just where we park our cars and put our stuff while we all go into into Toronto to go to work and that works well uh, for this designing of Hamilton or we can accept the fact that the times are changing people are working from home more often they are we are are crowded and, more, and tighter together we need to change the dynamic of our cities and we're at a crux where we have the opportunity to change the direction and how we design our cities so that they're more pedestrian more people friendly more socially acceptable um, and not just built towards like, well, how do I get across town as fast as possible? That if we like, and it's a big leap, but we need to start, dare I say it, thinking boldly and, and just saying, what if, um, cause it is possible. Like you could, we can build whatever we want. We're not stuck with, you know, four lane, four lane boulevards ripping across the, the city. It's possible to say, no, we could really build something that is, innovative and, and dare I say it, uh, unique to Hamilton and to the 905 in general. Yeah, absolutely. And it really needs to happen. I mean, it really needs to happen. Uh, the whole of North America went down a almost century long blind alley with, with how it designed for cars. And, you know, the, the end result is you can point to any number of cities like Hamilton, like Buffalo, uh, uh, oh, I could go through you know, lists of more towns where the kind of donut development that happened where, where everybody moved to the suburbs and left the central city empty except for those living in extreme poverty in the US in particular that those are usually racialized communities uh, recent immigrants uh, 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 and and you know leaving you know, Detroit is another good example uh, Windsor uh, you know the list goes on and on and on it was, a, it was a tragic decision to design for cars and for the kind of design the entire country for the suburbs uh, rather than for the cities. Um, and, you know, this is the the whole problem that 905 has ultimately um, is, is how do we, re, how do we redesign this, this mistake that was made when we just designed for the car um, and, yeah, it's going to cost money, but boy, is it going to be worth it because the places that will exist when, when that process is complete will just be so much better, so much more dynamic, so much more interesting, so much better uh, and more interesting places to live. Uh, it will be worth it. All right. Well, let's leave it at that for this episode. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next week or uh, next Tuesday where we're going to analyze the liberal plan and tell you what's good and what's not so good about it. So make sure you listen, subscribe uh, for that one. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. 
Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. show called The Boiling Point with my co-host Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.